Welcome back to the Hey Rody Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the Ocean State. We are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hi, guys. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. Um, on today's episode, we are doing another podcast on podcast episode with the one, the only, Chuck Staten. Yeah, Chuck was a cool guy, man. He was fun to talk to. We've actually known him for a bit, um, kind of uh, off and on. He's yeah. done some work with the magazine. He does a lot of writing for us. Yeah, so I've met him before. Sasha's met him before. Um, it was one of the probably one of the few guests that we've had on that we've actually met prior mm-hmm. to them walking into our podcast studio and us yep. saying, hey. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Who are you? Where are you from? What's your name? No, we yeah. knew Chuck. And he Chuck was, this is one of those episodes, and I do not abide by gender stereotypes but this felt like a little bit of a boy episode <laughs> not gonna lie there was a lot of um stuff being talked about that i was like this is uh, this is boy heavy <laughs> yeah yeah uh so just kind of a a little bit of a divergence from what we typically uh talk about what we typically do uh and just kind of like a uh preamble to it that there's like <laughs> nothing too too crazy but some stronger language and some yeah. stronger stuff that we cover um so just kind of a warning to people i don't know if you've got like little kids that you're listening to with or, or anything like that put so, them away yeah throw them away um so just so everybody knows ahead of time and nobody's taken by surprise uh it's not like the whole thing's like that but there's a couple no there's nothing here and there. yeah it's, it, there's nothing honestly there's nothing bad um it, it was so much fun he was so much fun to talk about i say the thing about like the boy heavy thing because like there's a lot of pranks that are talked about and yeah. kind of like you know not i don't want to say yucky but like you know like weird things that boys do yeah like weird things that like mostly boys do and obviously there's a lot of girls who do that stuff too but i am not one of them boys are gross boys are gross um no but he he was so much fun chuck was so much fun and he um he has like quite the resume which i'm gonna let nick talk about because nick's better at that than me (laughs) well typically it is uh sasha's (laughs) job but it is a lot of stuff that's right up my alley. Uh, anyway, he's worked with a lot of um, kind of more famous people, mm. um, more well-known people. He uh, does some work with uh, Kevin Smith and his companies, um, did some work on the Smodcast, which is his podcast. Uh, he works on Tell Him Steve Dave, uh, which is two of the guys from Comic Book Men and one of the Impractical Jokers. Mm. Uh, he has his own podcast, Chuck and Brad Podcast, uh, and he also works on Tuesdays with Stories, which is Mark Norman and Joe List. So. Which is really Really cool and it's all very comedic so one really cool thing about chuck that i was not really expecting because i've only like talked to him via email is that like he is a comedian oh yeah. like he was sitting on this couch like cracking jokes like it was like easy and making us like audibly laugh like multiple times which i thought mm-hmm. was like so cool and he's in that crowd of people like he is a comedian he also um like back you know some years ago he was part of like this like prank comedy music sort of thing um that i didn't really know about that we got to learn about which was really cool called discount chuck no sorry senior discount i'm so sorry senior discount Discount chuck is his instagram handle yes that's what it is okay um but yeah so it was really cool and it's like this is stuff that's up nick's alley and it's not necessarily something that i'm super involved with so it was cool for me to get to like hear and hear his experiences and that kind of world of comedians yeah comedians and um 
I guess comedy writers mm, yeah. and uh, comic book guy like Kevin Smith is a big comic book guy. Uh, mm. Obviously, he had comic book men, and um, that's kind of a part of like my interest um, is more of the comic related uh, just side of things. Yeah, uh, superheroes and uh, totally. the Marvel universe and DC comics and all that kind of stuff, and uh, the kind of music that goes along with that type of crowd, and mm-hmm. you know, and then just comedy in general. I listen to mm. a lot of comedy podcasts and. I love comedians. So uh, I thought this was really cool. It's a little bit different. Yeah, um, it felt different for us, but like felt very cool. Yeah, I absolutely. felt like a cool dude afterwards. <laughs> like I felt like a boy's boy. Yeah, and at some point we may end up on uh, Chuck's podcast. So we'll let you know if that uh, ends yes! up happening. And that would be so fun. Uh, maybe we'll have him back on in the future, which would be really cool as well. Yeah, we, we really loved Chuck. He was great for many reasons. Um, and we hope you guys love this episode. Yeah, enjoy. Strap in. Have fun. Have fun. Oh, perfect. Yeah, Just yeah. checking. Yes. Um, it's so great to have you on, Chuck. You're, um, I feel like you're one of the bigger, or uh, I mean, honestly, we're the tiniest little state. There's all the podcasts in our state, I feel like, are big, great podcasts. Yes. But I've known you through Providence Monthly, through mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, your podcast, your work with, you work with like, Famous people, which I love famous people. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. What, what, can I, I want to know, what about the, what about cursing on this? Cause I gotta just get myself in a mode. What do you say? What, what do we, what is the rule? Maybe avoid the F word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd but say, I'd say else? some light cursing. Yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I can say that all the famous people I work for are pieces of shit. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be good. We can have a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so it's funny cause we interviewed someone, um, a few weeks ago who's a screenwriter and he, you know, works with like famous, I'm like a big pop culture person. Like yeah, I love yeah. any, and I'm, and I, I just like, I can't help myself. I love mm-hmm. all famous people. I think they're so interesting and so cool. And, but I'm like, I'm so foreign to that because I don't know anyone. <laughs> and like meeting these people who like work, like even um, Brian Quinn from, I, I watch a Practical Jokers all the time. And yeah. like the fact that, you know, I'm like, <gasps> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a celebrity sitting in my studio <laughs> It's very cool. I always, uh, it's funny because like one of the, my, one of the topics that's consistently come up for me as a, as a writer, as a, you know, a podcaster, whatever, is always the idea that people start discounting people's uh, feelings and discounting them as humans, mm. the more popular they become. Mm-hmm. Like I work for, obviously I work for Kevin Smith. Yeah. I work for Quinn. I work for Mark Norman and mm-hmm. Joe List, the comics and the guys from comic book men and all that stuff. And I, I see a lot of criticism of of everybody all the time, yeah. Um, and even even whether it's people I directly work for or just people that I, like you know, if it's criticism of Taylor Swift or yeah, whoever, yeah, yeah. I'm always like, man, like it's crazy. These are just regular people walking around, yeah. And don't, don't people see that? It's so weird. Like it's just so like, ugh. It's yeah, the weirdest thing. Think, like it's regular people walking around yeah. with who have made it where their job is so cool that you are interested in it. Like, why why does that somehow make them, like, not human anymore? Yeah. It's funny because to me, like, to me, celebrity isn't that interesting and, and popularity is not that interesting. If there's, like, if there's a band in Cranston mm-hmm. and they come out with a great song or Green Day comes out with a great song, to me, that's not different. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care how famous they are. I don't care this level of celebrity. I just like art and I like expression and I mm-hmm. like creativity. So... Even if Kevin Smith made, for example, Chasing Amy is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Even if that was a local filmmaker and it had one screening in Providence and whatever, and it never got anything. I don't care about the celebrity mm-hmm. aspect. I don't care about that. I just like the art. You like the art. You'd like I the like story the art. regardless. And, and to me, I really believe, and people don't get this, I think, a lot. 
that the difference between something that's super successful and the difference between something that is not super successful in terms of movies, television shows, um, music, anything, isn't necessarily the quality of the thing you produce. There's a lot of mm -hmm. factors there. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of really famous people like that, are, you know, whether it's Burt Kreischer, comedian, or, you know, Justin Bieber, whoever, I think that they realize that there's a level of skill you have to have in yeah. whatever creative medium you have. And then there's a lot of luck. Yeah, oh, total. Oh, yeah. oh, it's all luck. So if there's someone that lives in, uh, you know, if there's someone who lives in Cranston and their mom is sick and they got to take care of them and they don't get to move to the place yep. where they uh, are going to get discovered or they don't mm -hmm. get to pursue it as, as hard or spend as much time because they're taking care of someone in their family, but they're still writing acoustic songs in their basement. Those songs are, may be as good as Ed Sheeran songs. Totally. But it and it doesn't that doesn't translate to popularity. It doesn't translate to fame or whatever. So for me, I almost want to feel like celebrity is like not part of my scope. It's just mm -hmm. do I like the art or do I not like the art? And yeah. that's that's how it is. And and I think there's a lot of people that um you know, don't think of it that way, but that's how I think of it. So yeah. so you know, I work with Ray Harrington. This, he's a comedian from Rhode Island. This guy's basically a hobo. He lives in a cardboard <laughs> box. You know, a kitten just gave, you know, a cat just gave birth to kittens on his new sweater. That's, that's all he can do. He's doing his best. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> and I work with, you know, Mark Normandy. He has yeah. a golden toilet. He yeah. wears a crown everywhere. He's got a cape. He's walking down the street. He's getting picked up like yep. by the old Egyptians on yep. that, one of those things. Oh my God. And, uh, you know, one of. <laughs> Ray's gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm 100% kidding. This is a joke. Ray's Just not a, a hobo. He's, yeah. he's a beautiful man. He's very successful. Yeah. But like the difference between, um, you know, me and Ray and Brad, yeah. who I do my podcast with, doing a show at the Comedy Connection and doing one of our very weird shows, because the truth is, Ray's a very successful comedian. Ray's a successful filmmaker. Ray, he's on stand up records. He has a great podcast. He's a great, great creator. But he also, you know, slums it. You know, he's yeah. on, he was on Conan, but he slums it with me and Brad, and he does these like crazy kooky shows at the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island, and those shows and the comedy of those shows, to me, is just as important yeah. as seeing oh, 100%. Mark Normand and and Soder and Ari Shafir selling out the Gramercy Theater in mm -hmm. in New York City and seeing all that stuff. It's it's I'm like I like these things just as much. Yeah, and it doesn't you know the popularity level, the celebrity level, whatever. It means nothing to me. It's just the art that I love. That's yeah. what I care about. And I think for me, like I say that I love celebrities and, and yeah. I I think I feel like well, I don't I can't clarify because it is just that. I love celebrities. <laughs> That's but, fine. I, but I, I no will, criticism, no criticism. But I will say my take on celebrities is ninety nine point nine percent positive. Like I'm the type of person <laughs> like her take on everything is ninety nine point nine percent. Oh, oh, oh the, <laughs> Ray my buddy Ray Harrington, he accuses me of having toxic positivity. So yeah, so I, I hear you. That might be me a little bit. Yeah. Not, I don't mean to. I just like, I feel like similarly to you, like everyone's yes. one, luck is a big factor. For sure. Two, everyone's, I like to think, even if it's not true, that yeah. everyone is trying their best and trying their hardest to be a, a decent human being. Yes. No one is going out of their way. I mean, I know there are people there that I know there are people who are, mm. but the, what keeps me going every day and mm -hmm. what keeps me like breathing is the thought that people are just trying their best. For and, sure. And, and and I the reason I love celebrities I think is part partly because of the luck thing yeah. like you got so lucky but also like I mean someone like Taylor Swift 
I mean, she is her songwriting's amazing. For sure. She's so good at at playing different instruments. Yeah. She's gone through, like we were talking about, all this trash of like uh like judging and bullying and all this stuff. And she still maintains this like beautiful art that she's able to do. But yeah. also she's really freaking lucky. Yeah. Like she of got everyone, really yeah. lucky. You well, know? You know, it's it's really funny because and, and you know, and I, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but it's really funny because if you have two comedians at age 18 mm-hmm. and one of those comedians has rich parents oh. who pays for mm-hmm. them to have an apartment in New York City and they don't have to work and they get these opportunities to spend their time. And the other kid is working their... 40 hours exactly. a week, going to school, trying to like maintain maybe, a life. Like... And maybe stuck in Idaho. Yep. And, you know, comedian A is in New York City, not working, spending time honing his craft, yeah. being right there next to the clubs, being all over, you know, being in that space and not having responsibilities versus the kid in Idaho who has to work for a living. That's it. That's that's the difference between those two people is yeah. is, is the luck aspect. The There's a <clears throat> I think it's a yeah, it's Malcolm Gladwell uh, uh, Outliers. Yes. The book. Yes. Uh, and he talks about that. And it's not just celebrities. It's. um. Right. You know, somebody like like Bill Gates. So Bill For Gates sure. uh, happened to grew up in a town grew up that, in a happened, town to that have... happened to have like one of the only mainframes in the country and yeah. then went to a college where he got See? access to these computers. This is perf- like, this is a perfect. He example. never would have been able like he's would have still been a genius, probably in a yes. different thing. Yeah. Yes. But he wouldn't be who he is today had he not had the chance yeah. to do oh, so. And, I'm, I'm, and stealing this, I'm stealing this fact from you because it's, it's perfect. <laughs> it's exactly what I mean. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to say it. You're going to hear me say it in a podcast next week and I'm going to be like, you know, I discovered this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who All Malcolm Gladwell is. <laughs> so I don't even true, know who though. Malcolm Gladwell is. Yeah, yeah, right? It's crazy. And it is crazy because even like, just like you were saying, someone could be in like Idaho versus New York. Yes. Even just where you're born is oh, part of sure. it. Oh, like, oh, for sure. I, I mean, this is one of the things I realized kind of recently. Like, you know, a lot of people know I've been working around Rhode Island for a long time where I grew up and I just recently moved to New York City mm-hmm. to pursue, you know, filmmaking and comedy and, and you know, uh, comedy, podcast, everything. This whole everything. little world of everything. Yeah. I just moved there because I realized I'm like... I need to be there to be open to, to be op- to be the guy to be called to be open to these lucky uh, you get situations. Those opportunities. Exactly, and it's funny because a lot of the people I've met over the past you know ten years, let's say in comedy, in filmmaking, in, in in whatever podcasting, are just like, yeah, I live in Brooklyn, yeah, I live here, yeah, and they were born in these areas, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, how lucky is it to be right? born in these areas where you are. 20 minutes from where this is being produced or where this connection can be made or where this, and that's a really interesting thing. I got to be honest, I even feel lucky to be born in Rhode Island and to live in Rhode Island in terms of the proximity Mm -hmm. to New York City, which is the hub of, you know, the two hubs of entertainment in the United States are are LA and New York. And even just being three and a half hours away, you know, my, my real, I've had a bunch of lucky opportunities in terms of my career and what I've done, but the, one of the biggest jumps was from going from working completely independently to working for the podcast Tell Him Steve Dave, which is uh, Quinn from Practical Jokers, like you mentioned, and the guys from uh, Comic Book Men, because they were doing a live show at the Gramercy Theater in New York City. And I pushed my way in mm-hmm. as being the director of the person who shot that to be released as a Blu-ray for them. That was my step in. That yeah. was my lucky thing. I didn't get the word that I could do that, that I was being invited to be, I was I was being hired to do it until 24 hours beforehand. Wow. So 
the fact that I only live three and a half hours yeah, from this hub. Yeah, because if you hub, lived in Texas or if exactly. you lived in yeah. Arizona. Never would have happened. Not only would it not have happened because of the 24-hour thing, but I also wouldn't have pitched myself as yeah. doing it. Because if I'm in Rhode Island, I can say, yeah, I'll drive up and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But if I was in Texas and I was like, I love this podcast, someone should be filming this, maybe I could push my way in. I'd be like, well, I got to bring all my my equipment to the airport. I got to somehow get it there. I got to pay for a plane ticket. If I was that far away, I never would have been able to make this connection. Yeah. Or, yeah. or drive like 19 hours. You couldn't even make it there. Exactly. The oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Really quick, like I, 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 I 100% like agree with everything we're saying because we're all very lucky people. Mm-hmm. I do think too, the flip side of that is you, Chuck, worked your ass off in the right circumstances yes. to get you where you are because there are people who are born lucky and don't do anything with it. So there's, you know, I I try to be, I try to have the balance, it's right? It's a like, balance, it We're sure lucky, is. we're like, I'm lucky. How did I get the chance to work at this magazine that I love, that I've read for so long, have a boss that, right. that saw something in me to put me in this position to right. whatever, whatever. But also like, that's lucky, but also like, I work hard. That's the other thing. It's, so it's, it's a balance. You got to work at it and you got to hone your craft and you got to really, really get yourself to the level where if the lucky opportunity comes up, yeah. then you can perform yeah. when the spotlight is on you. And acknowledge the is. luckiness. Acknowledge that. For sure. Yeah, there's so. the, like, the old saying, it's like, I think it's success is where preparation meets perspiration. Um, yeah. And I think you should add the additional layer of luck to that opportunity. statement, and it's yeah. perfect. I think yeah. Opportunity, yeah. Is opportunity is the, is the way to put it. Yeah, 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 yeah for totally. sure. So now, really quick, like obviously because we are the Hey Brody podcast. So yes. Where Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Bristol and Warren. I ah. say I say Bristol and Warren because my parents built a house in Warren, and I lived there from when I was like one to five years old. Okay. Then we moved to Bristol. Um, from when I was like five to like 17 and then we moved back to Warren. Yep. And you and live I, there now as part. Yeah. I have as, a half and half. You life. have a half and half situation. I own a house on Main Street in Warren. Which is crazy. Yep. And I have an apartment in New York City. Yeah. What and part I, of New York City? I'm in Staten Island. And the apartment ah, in New York City is more expensive than the house. Do you ever see Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Well, here's here's what's interesting is, is <laughs> it's really interesting. So. If you don't know the Rhode Island, Bristol and Warren are so small yeah. that they're mm-hmm. kind of like sister, you know, towns. Yeah. We have one school system. So even oh, if I had been in, okay. in Bristol or Warren, I would have been in the same public high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so New York City. Uh, the reason I moved to Staten Island is because my link to that area was the podcast mm-hmm. Tell Him Steve Dave, who I was working for all the time. And um, also Kevin Smith, when he's on the East Coast, sometimes I work for him. And he just opened a podcast live venue. Oh. Right. You know the movie Clerks? I do. Mm-hmm. So in the building of the Quick Stop where yeah. Clerks was shot, he owns a live podcast studio. That's so cool. Oh. I recorded the first podcast Woo! in his uh, podcast studio. That's, That's amazing. Awesome. It was me and Ernie O'Donnell who played uh, Rick Darris in Clerks. I interviewed Ernie in the back room of Smodcastle. And it's the unofficial first podcast there. That's wow. so It wasn't cool. live. Kevin, of course, did the first live uh, the one. Fir- yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so my link was... Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash, yep. you know, the store, uh, Smod Castle. But more than those two things, Walt Flanagan, Brian Johnson, Brian Quinn of Tell Him Steve Dave. And I've been working for those guys since 2016. So I was like, all right, that's one of the reasons I want to move there. And I've wanted to move there for a long time. Um, and that, they're in New Jersey. They're not in New York. Okay. Then my other big link is Mark Norman, the comic, and Joe List. Uh, who were comics I love, some of my favorite people, my friends. They have a podcast called Tuesdays with Stories that is actually in, you know, New York City proper. Um, right now we're in Manhattan. We have a new studio. 
And so the two links I had were basically like Red Bank, New Jersey yep. and Manhattan. And I wanted to find a place that was in between those two, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where I go all the time. Um, tell them Steve Dave moved from Red Bank to Hazlitt, New Jersey, which is still close by. And so I started looking at apartments and I was looking all over and man, oh man, are they expensive. And uh, I looked at like a lot of places. I probably whittled it down from like 45 online and I saw a bunch in person, like maybe 11. And the further away from New York City you got, the nicer they got. Yep. Um, and obviously like, and the thing is too, I need a car. Yep. So I can't really live in New York City with like a, an actual car. I'd have to buy a parking space and all that stuff. So I was like, all right, Staten Island. That's where Quinn from Impractical Jokers lives. That's where all. That's where the Impractical Jokers came from. Yeah. Um, and I knew, you know, I like I said, I just kind of wanted to have the proximity to both areas, and I found this apartment in Staten Island that was like awesome, huge apartment, Yay. two bedrooms, balcony, like super, super nice. Still very expensive, but mm. uh, but uh, really, really nice. And where I live in Staten Island. It's like a super affluent suburb. Oh. Like I could have like 20 people over for a party and they could just park in the street. It's just like, I'm not even kidding. It's just like living like near my parents' house. That's Warren, amazing. Which is really nice. Yeah. yeah. And and I drive into like next to Grand Central Station every Monday and it takes yep. me about 40 minutes to go park wow. there. It's it's crazy. It's almost like a secret. Yeah. Like I think everyone thinks of New York City as like this place where it's like you can't park anywhere, you can't drive, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It's crazy. But like the truth is you can kind of, you can kind of live around the city like like I don't have very much money, but like if you have money, like you could live like right over the bridge in Staten mm. Island somewhere really, really nice and be like 15 minutes outside of the city and just drive in and have a super nice place. Um, but yeah, so it was really about my proximity to both of the main jobs that I have, which is Tell em Steve Dave and Tuesdays with Stories, Manhattan yep. and, and uh, New Jersey. And so I live 25 minutes away from the Tell em Steve Dave studio and 40 minutes away from nice. the Tuesday studio. That worked out perfectly. And it's very easy to go to both places or to yeah. go to the comedy cellar or go wherever I need to film, you know? How long ago did you uh, get that apartment? I got it. Um, I think my lease started in mid-October. So oh, it's recently. Really, Super really. Recently. Re- oh, extremely recently. That's like, it's surprising to me that you were able to find something good because I've a lot of the stuff I've heard is because of COVID, a lot of people who were in mm-hmm. even just New York City proper moved right out to like New Jersey or yes, Long that's, Island. That's right. like, like the housing market got really chalked up really quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did. I actually got really lucky with this apartment. It was. It's funny because I didn't really think I was going to move so quickly. Mm-hmm. I threw myself into the apartment search to avoid emotional turmoil that I was going through at the time and I was yeah. like this will take up my uh yeah. my focus Favorite time oh yeah but I'm like this will probably take like three months yeah like I expected to be I, like when I started looking which was like you know like super late September early October I was like oh maybe I'll get in by January 1st yeah mm-hmm. that was my thought and I thought exactly what you did and I'm like I've been commuting to New Jersey since 2018 consistently um and now I worked with with Tuesdays with stories as well, Mark Norman and Joe List, which is like a newer thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'll just commute for the next few months, whatever, same thing. So live, I live in hotels when I go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it would take a long time. But I was looking around Staten Island and I got a phone call um, from a place that I'd emailed. And last minute, they're like, hey, the, the couple that wanted this apartment oh, uh, decided to try, dropped out. So I was like, okay. And they were like, come look at it right now. And I looked and it was so much nicer wow. than everywhere else I saw. And it, I just happened to be in New York City that day to film that. And they called me and I went and saw right it. Right place, right time. Right. Yeah. That's luck, awesome. man. And to be honest, <laughs> I wasn't ready to move in. Yeah. So I oh, was God. like, I was like, uh, yeah, like I can't move in until, like, I think I paid for that apartment for a month before I even could move in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, you know what it was? Here's what it was. I, I think my lease started on October 14th. 
and I was like, I can't go. I have a I have a comedy show. You know, I do a podcast called the Chuck and Brad Podcast, worst podcast name of all time. <laughs> and uh, if you don't know Chuck, you don't know Brad. You're not interested in what this podcast is about. But um, I love. I don't care. I love it. I love Brad. And uh, we do live shows yep. at the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island, as well as at Kevin Smith's Modcastle in New Jersey. And we had a, a Halloween show, Chuck and Brad's Halloween yes. Spooktacular. Yeah. Um, those and, promos were awesome. Oh, thank you very yeah. much. I was very proud of those. Yeah, they were really cool. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, the slow motion one was yeah. awesome. I was, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm happy with this. But we had that coming up, and I was like, I can't move mm. for the 14th because I have this thing. So I moved on October 30th. I stay, I stayed in my apartment for the first night on October 30th. Then oh. I stayed on Halloween. And then the next day I had to drive back because I was going to be moderating all weekend the following weekend at Rhode Island Comic Con. Oh my God. We were interviewing the cast of Supernatural and uh, Titans and we were doing the Clerks reunion panel. Oh my God. That's and so I was cool. filming for Kevin Smith actually at Rhode yeah. Island Comic Con. Funny enough, like the most, and this is a little ridiculous thing to say. Kevin Smith is one that I would be very jealous of, but yeah. Supernatural, I'm very jealous of. Well, yeah. I grew up, that's like, was like my favorite show. I probably watched every season of that show at least three times. It was, it was really, really fun. It was all, I mean, I love working with Rhode Island Comic Con, Alter Reality. They're super nice. They were sponsors of our Halloween show, which mm. worked out really well. Um, yeah, we have a great relationship with those guys. They're they're all they've all been awesome to us for the year through the years. It's cool too. Actually, one of the guys, Michael G and Francesco, wonderful dude. Yeah. Love this guy. Such a nice just as just he's been really, really nice and really, really accommodating. And he actually works at a high school and Brad and I mentor his students every year. Oh wow. In terms of like journalism and That's film so cool. journalism and stuff like that. Yeah, it's been really, really I cool. I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just a really nice guy, you know. Also, <laughs> Also, Nick, you just brought up. You loved it. He's going to spit out his coffee. This is great. No, I mean, no, it's no big deal. I'm just, uh, I'm just a great Nick person. Nick doesn't laugh like that a lot, so you should feel really like proud of yourself. I love he doesn't it. laugh like that with me. I um, love it. Anyway. it was the way he said it and then kind of looked at me. <laughs> I knew I was setting it you up. It's funny because, like, toxic positivity. I'm like, I know you are such a good person. <laughs> That's just like the way this goes. My sense of humor goes negative fast. So yeah. It's like yeah, you, yeah, just, yeah. you hit it perfectly. Oh, and mine's just good. like, oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. That was a trick. Um, but what's so funny is you were just talking about the supernatural thing, which is a show I've never seen. And this may seem like the most random. So my dad is a bit of not like a. I, I'm using air quotes. Not like a normal style dad. Mm. Like he's full of tattoos. He's yeah. a chef. He, yeah. you know, like we were listening to like. He's Cypher's guy. He's guy Fieri. No, <laughs> yeah, he's Surprise. like the exact opposite. Yeah, right. Actually, my dad is guy. It's pronounced Fieri, Fieri. with the, the R. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but he's like very, you know. I said this in a in the podcast we had with someone who writes like kind of scary stuff like we had like a poster of the exorcist in our house and like we have like you know we would listen to weird crazy adult music that a child probably shouldn't be listening to sure. anyway I'm the, my point is is you obviously work with Kevin Smith and yeah. I know he's known for like clerks and chasing Amy all this stuff but the movie that I watched my first like I, I feel like it was very inappropriate for me to watch it when it came mm -hmm. out was Dogma. I love uh, I was going to bring Dogma yeah. up at some and point. And it's funny I because like movie. if mm -hmm. you ever met me like outside of this podcasting yes. thing or you knew me for more than like an hour, you'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. Like this girl should not be like, why are you watching I this? I feel like that's oh, yeah. a, an underrated movie that people don't bring up often enough. It's, it's amazing. It's I such a it's good fantastic. movie. And it's I remember watching it and being like, wait, what's the other? Mall Rats. That's oh, yeah. the other yeah, one. Mm -hmm. Like I remember watching Mall Rats and I could not have been like 10 years old being yeah. like, this feels inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't be watching mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And then like Dogma and I'm like, I don't think 
but now that I'm an adult, I'm like, thank God I watched all those inappropriate movies. Yeah. Because now I like, I know what good movies and music and all that stuff is. But it's funny. Nick is like, Supernatural. I'm like, Dogma. There's, <laughs> there's, some, there's, you know, there's, there's the language thing and maybe the sex jokes. But yeah. like, they are movies with a lot of heart. Oh, totally. You know I mean? like, 100%. That's, that's, that's kind of the key to, to Kevin Smith's uh, personality and the people, people love it. reason people love him is there's so much heart behind that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's about good people being good people totally and struggling obviously but but ultimately doing the right thing doing the right thing and yeah and, and i like the thing that i i always liked about the movies that he was part of or or that kind of group of movies is mm. all the characters are always like really quirky mm-hmm. and i really love that because like i've always not, i i don't think i'm a character from any of those movies i've always been like a little quirky like i'm not like oh for sure i mean that's 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 one of the reasons i think that i became i fell in love with kevin smith's mm. work is because it made me feel like my voice yeah. and the voice of my friends and the mannerisms we have and our specific rhythms yep. were important enough to document and could be framed in a way that's interesting to other people. Totally. And by the way, uh, it is bizarre to become friends with Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson. <laughs> Walt Flanagan is the inspiration for uh, for for Brody in, yep. in Mallrats and Johnson is the inspiration for Randall and Clerks. And then, you know, to be completely honest, like, all those characters have yeah. this manner of speaking and yep. stuff. I'm, I'm friends with O'Halloran too, who yeah. is who plays Dante and Clerks. Yeah. Yep. Now I'm friends with Jeff Anderson, who played Randall and Clerks and all this stuff. And like, but but being around Jersey and being friends with Ernie O'Donnell yeah. and, and Walt and Brian and everybody, that manner of speaking is like just a real thing that That's you're that so you funny. now now you live with. Now you're you know? normal. Yeah, with. yeah, yeah. Now it's just part of it. Did you ever have like a fangirl moment? I say fangirl, yeah. but like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. I mean, it's funny because. Yeah, I, of course I did. And it's funny It's funny because I grew up watching Kevin Smith movies probably starting when I was like, you know, 13, 14, because yeah. I'm a little bit young to have been exposed to like Clerks, which I think came out in 94. Yep. So I was born in 84, so I would have been 10. Okay. But I probably watched, the first one I probably watched was Chasing Amy, and I fell in love with those movies, and then DVDs became popular in like 1999, 2000, 2001, and I started watching all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I'm like hearing these stories about Brian Johnson, Walt Flanagan, all these different people. And then I start listening to Tell Him Steve Day of the podcast around 2011, 2012. And I'm interested in this podcast and Kevin Smith's Modcast. And then slowly I become involved and I know all these characters. So yeah, when I first was doing it, the first day I went to go shoot at the stash with all the guys from the stash was really strange. I mean, it's funny because I loved comic book men. Mm. And I remember watching comic book men with my ex-girlfriend a long time ago. And being like, I want to work with these guys someday. I want to work with these guys, Walt and Brian and Kevin and Ming and Mike and everybody. And uh, my ex-girlfriend got me, she like booked us a hotel and got me a gift card to the secret stash. And she made like a card for like Christmas or Valentine's Day. I think it was Christmas. And it was a picture of Walt. Yeah at the counter and she made a thought bubble of him thinking of me as as this is way before i ever worked with them yeah to visit the secret stash for the first time because through all the years of liking them i never actually went to jersey to go to the store yeah and so we went to the store oh my god and uh the first time i met walt he was just drawing at the back table because he's a comic book artist yeah and i remember i was like you know i was i was nervous and i wanted to talk to him (laughs) and i just wanted to know if they actually sold tell him steve dave shirts at the store yeah which they didn't at the time um and I went to go lean on the wall and I leaned on the light switch and turned off the ah! lights. <laughs> <laughs> Made a dramatic entrance. <laughs> Hi. So how about that? So I was like, oh my God. And that was, I think, maybe January or February of 2000, uh, 
2016, okay. right? And then a few months later is when I found out they were doing a live show at the Grammar Street in New York City. Yep. And they never do live shows. Walt hates doing a live podcast with Tom, Steve, Dave. And I, that's when I reached out and said, you guys should be filming this because it's very special. People are flying in from England. Yeah. And so it was, it's funny because... You know, six months later, I'm starting to work on projects with them. But the six months previous in January, February, when we went, yeah, I had no connection to them. I'd never how met them crazy. before. Isn't that interesting? Well, you, I, I mean, I'm always I, and I don't know how real or fake or whatever it is, but I think that manifesting is like a real thing. Like, I feel For like sure. you manifest things. Oh, I, I, and I seeing mean, seeing that thought bubble with your little face in it and yeah. all your name in it, whatever. Yeah. Like that probably I mean, if you saw that every day. Yeah. You had a goal that you were working towards. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and it's funny, too. I I. I, I was driving with uh, my buddy Lou to, he, he moved to Austin. He's one of my best friends, Lou Perella. His dad owns Perella's restaurant in, in Warren. Nice. I kind of grew up there and yep. I love his family. I love his dad. I'll beat up his dad if I see him, <laughs> throw him down the stairs. <laughs> and, uh, you love know, you so much. <laughs> and um, I love Lou. Lou's my, one of my best friends. And during the pandemic, he moved to Austin. Yep. And he's like, well, you come with me to Austin through a pandemic. We'll go to every restaurant on the way there. We'll cough and cough and kiss some people and get some COVID. <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. So we did. We went to, we, we ate ourselves fat. None of our shirts fit by the time we got to Austin. But uh, I helped him move to Austin. I'm showing him Tuesdays with Stories, Mark yep. Norman and Joe List. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I love these guys. I'm like, they talk like the way that we talk. Yep. And they interact the way that we interact. And they say words that we say. Um, they say jizz and we say jizz. I love saying it all the time. And um, I just love saying it. And uh, I'm like, I want to work with these guys yeah. so bad. And I think that I fit in with their voices. And I, and I, and it was the same kind of thing yeah. where that was October of 2020, I guess. And now that's like that's one of my main people that I work how with. Is, same thing. Same thing with awesome. Kevin and all this different stuff. It's yeah, insane. it's very interesting. And I think we I have all a way of weaseling my way in like a cockroach. In. You know what's I'm a weasel. I'm a weasel roach or a cockle. I don't know what I am. I'm a half weasel, half cockroach. Well, and maybe you're a little persistent. I feel like I'm that way too. <laughs> I'm like, you know, even when we started um, our like the Hey Roadie podcast, yeah. you know, we had a list of people who we wanted to be on the show. Yeah. We had like a group of people who we knew would say yes because yeah. we've, you know, given them some coverage. They right. know us. We know them. So we're like, okay, that's going to be fine. Yeah. And then we had like this like secondary list of um, like it ended up being kind of like a brewery like yeah. collection of people like so the CEO of Narragansett, yes. um, Kate from The Right Scoop, uh, Sanji from Kebab and Curry, my favorite restaurant. Like, mm -hmm. so we'd send out these emails, and I'm like, "There's no, they're gonna be like, who the hell are you? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, why are you emailing? I do mm -hmm. not want to be on your random podcast. It's <laughs> so random. Right. And everyone said yes, and now, you know, I think it's just like ha manifesting, having yes. that like. It actually became like, how do we schedule this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like very... two yeses. We got ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how <laughs> it's like it's and it, and you don't even know like at one point. I mean, I feel like I looked at Nick and I was like, what are we gonna do? No one's yeah. gonna say yes to our podcast, and now we're like, we have no time to schedule any more podcasts. I'm great. like, uh, so like, Sasha's like, you can go with the to toxic positivity thing. It's not. But toxic. She's also really nervous about all things. the time, and I am <laughs> Me just, too. I am just not. <laughs> oh. So like, she's like, nobody's gonna say yes. I was like, why wouldn't they? I'm like, you know, like, there's I, the, I just kind of go with the whole like, don't worry about something until you need to worry about that's, it. That's that's how I'm trying to live my life. I always think about that. Yeah. I always think about don't worry about it till you. I was just talking to a girl who, a woman. I said girl. You're not supposed to say girl anymore. It's woman. Oh, right. I was talking to a woman, and she was like, "I'm gonna have this operation." They said that there's a, you know, 
uh, there, there's like there could be these complications. And I'm like, you know what? They got to say that. Yeah. It's part of what has to happen. You probably, you know, they're probably telling you something that happens 0.3% of the time. Mm-hmm. You just can't worry about stuff until you have to worry about it. Mm. Because if you say tomorrow I'm doing this and here are the 10 outcomes and you worry about 10 outcomes, yeah. then you're worrying about 10 times as many outcomes as there will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so true. So that's I'd, a way to think about it. I try to do that. I'm not saying I can do that perfectly <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I yeah, say I try. Yeah. I, go there, I go there even with like the weather. Like if we have a beach day planned and everybody's checking the weather and they're like, oh, it's going to rain Saturday. It's going to rain Saturday. It's going to rain Saturday. I'm like, we live in New England. Yeah. I was like, how about when we wake up on Saturday morning, if it's raining, we just won't go. We, we won't yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are you all panicking you know, about okay, this for a week? I don't get it. I'm similar. <laughs> I'm, I, I feel like I'm that way. Like I'm very go with the flow. And mm. if it concerns myself. I yeah. am not nervous. Like, yeah. if I'm getting a surgery, I'm like, it's going to be fine. Like, I, I I'm had, not nervous. Oh, God. I had a wicked dangerous spine surgery. You did? Wicked dangerous. Oh where they God. had to lift up my nerve cluster at the base of my spine and operate under it. Oh, and they're like, they're like, you are not going to wake up from this thing. And I was like, oh, that's okay. You're like, no, no. <laughs> We're going to figure like, it out. This is morbid. And then you fell asleep. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's, it's sad. So... Basically, like I had this bulging disc in my spine and you can yeah. have bulging discs like wherever in your spine and, and, mm-hmm. and they vary in terms of how much they hurt and how much they affect you and, and how dangerous they are to deal with. And I have one at the base of my spine and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I was I was prescribed 12 Percocet a day. Oh, my for, God. For three wow. weeks straight. Holy crap. So that's how much Percocet I took Whoa. to deal with this pain. And in between, I was like pacing. <gasps> the pain, the pain was debilitating. And. They're like, all right, we're gonna give you the surgery, but it's really dangerous. We have mm. to lift up your nerve cluster and, and operate under it. So there's a high level of like possible, you know, paralysis, whatever. Oh my god! And I was like, I got to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you the know, pain the was, pain was too much. The risk was wor- worth not having. The You're pain. like, at least if it's if it's paralyzed, it won't feel it anymore. Well, well, I kept I kept being the thing. I was like, I'm pushing it out of my head, pushing it out of my head. Went to the hospital. They put the IV in. Yeah. And for some reason, that was the click to my brain that oh, like shit. this is real. Yeah. And I just had a full on breakdown, oh, no. panic attack. Oh yeah, it was rough. Poor it's baby. funny. Have you seen Fifty uh, Fifty the movie? Yes, with, I love that movie. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. He has the panic attack yeah. right before he goes in for surgery. Yep. Identical. I can't even watch that scene. Identical <gasps> you just, like, panic would cry. attack. Like you would oh. just. It would. It's like yeah. PTSD if you saw that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it was crazy. You know, I think it's it's funny because I get my nerves happen when as soon as someone else is involved. Right. Like if oh, it's yeah. me by myself, I'm fine. Yeah. Like I'm not nervous mm-hmm. about really anything. Like mm-hmm. I'll figure it out is usually my like mentality. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I have to talk to someone else about them coming on our podcast, taking an hour of their time to drive yeah. here or, you know, uh, a- anything that has to do with anyone else. Yeah. That's when the nerves happen because I don't want to mess something up for someone else. For sure. I get nervous that like, did I forget something? Did I not yeah. do something right? Did I come off the wrong way? Do they think that it's stupid that I'm asking them to be yeah, here? Yeah, you want like, them to have a good time. You exactly. want them to have a good experience and feel like they put their, their they invested their time Wisely. intelligently. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like you, I think, and I'm sure you feel this way because you're on like a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Being on a podcast, and Nick and I are two people who we've never been like out in the public eye before. Not that this yeah, is the yeah, public eye, yeah. I mean, it's Rhode Island, but well, still. The public ear. The, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, the public ear. But it's like, it's vulnerable. I want to make sure yeah. everyone's happy with the way oh, it yeah. sounds. It's just, there's so many things. Oh, for sure. That cause I'm literally going to have an ulcer it's funny because I'm always nervous it's funny too because you know we started our pod I mean I have a really really strange origin story Mm. in terms of what I do yeah and you know essentially like you know you were asking me I grew up in Bristol and Warren and through that like I I 
I was going to a private school in Portsmouth, mm-hmm. um, which was St. Philomena's school. That's what I went for grade school. Mm-hmm. And then I came to, um, I was going to go to LaSalle Academy for high school. I got in, but because I lived in Bristol, there was only one bus that went that far out from LaSalle, which is in Providence. Yep. And it catered to all the private schools. So I had to catch my bus at 5 a.m. And I got back at 5 p.m. No, thank this you. is like a 13-year-old boy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I barely have a pube. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you're like, no way am I get on this bus. <laughs> I still have it framed in my office. But uh, oh my so uh, so I, but I really was like after a month, I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do these 12-hour days. And so my parents allowed me to go to uh, Mount Hope High School, which yep. is the Bristol mm-hmm. Warren School High School. And um, I went there and I went with my cousin Christian, who is like one of my best friends. Um, and I met uh, my old bassist for my band's senior discount, Kevin. And we ended up starting a band right as high school finished. Mm. And we, we, you know, we had this punk rock band, Senior Discount. We were super influenced by no effects and and huge bands like blink 182 and green day and Mm -hmm. and 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 smaller bands like leftover crack and the suicide machines and all these different bands that we had this um these connections to rancid and that was 2000 you know i'd say we got serious around 2004 about playing because when i when i when we started the band i actually didn't even play guitar Ah! my cousin christian didn't play drums we were just like let's be a band and we just practice five days a week all the time just learning our instruments to do this yeah um but in 2004, the reason I bring this up is because we're a punk rock band in 2004. Mm. So we're crazy. We're we're having these wild, thrashy shows. We're you know we're writing offensive songs on purpose. We're doing yeah. all this stuff, mm-hmm. and that was my introduction to saying I'm going to take my voice and put it out in the world. And it was kind of to make noise, to disrupt, to to talk about my feelings, and 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 being a punk band in 2004. Yeah, is really different than being someone who is like a podcaster in 2022 <laughs> because back then i'm like <laughs> just like saying the most the, like our shows the senior discount shows uh, from 2004 to god knows when let's say for the next 10 years were insane the stuff we did on stage the just the antics like yeah. oh my god and, and the thing is here's what's interesting so we started this punk rock band in 2004 like like i said we got serious around then we're playing these crazy shows and right away, we got this awesome opportunity. There's a band that was called Monty's Fan Club mm-hmm. uh, from Cranston. And they were they were a, a total inspiration to us. They were a huge inspiration to us, along with the band Sea Monkey Stew, another local band, which is the band that made me believe that I could be in a band. Wow. So, because cause I, I, growing up, it's like you're, if you're 12 or 11 or whatever, you see Green Day, you see Blink-182, you see the Foo Fighters, and you're like, okay, well, that's on a huge stage yeah. that's far away that won't happen but like, then you go to the fall river battleship cove mm-hmm. on like their you know portuguese festival and you see <laughs> sea monkeys too on a stage and yep. they're awesome and they're great and they make you believe you could be in a band yep so we started this band and we started playing these shows and right away you know Monty's fan club was the band that really made us kind of pulled us into the scene and they said we're gonna play a show at lupos which <gasps> it, which holds like you know at, at the time the old loop well actually this was at the strand so it, that, you know, that the capacity there is 2,000 people. Wow. And they're like, we're going to play this show. We're going to have you guys open. They're like, but we want you guys to promote and sell tickets and stuff like that. And they had a house and, and they took it really seriously. And they kind of taught us like right then because we were just starting out how to be a band. And I said to myself, what can we do to sell tickets? What can we do to bring people out? Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, I love comedy. I love filmmaking. Let's do some comedy videos to promote this. And this is like right now that sounds like, yeah, yeah, sure. In 2004. Yeah, that's totally different. That's not, there's yeah. no shirt. There's no, like YouTube existed as a concept, but it was probably like literally one one thousandth as popular as it is now. Yeah. We couldn't put videos on YouTube. I, we had to have our own private server that we posted videos on. Oh my God. And so we started making these little sketches. Um, my buddy at the time, Alan Souza, was like affiliated with the band. He actually became a, the basis of the band later on. But at the time, he was just like a very funny person I knew that I was very close to. And we started writing these and acting in these videos with our band. And so we said, okay, we're, we're a punk rock band and we're going to do comedy videos as well. And they became this hand-in-hand thing oh, that's where cool. we were using them to promote our shows. And they and we were doing pranks and stunts like jackassy type of stuff. <laughs> like for Halloween one year, our guitarist came home to the house that a bunch of us lived in. And we had, this is the truth, we had stolen 300 pumpkins from farms around Rhode Island. Oh my God. And we filled his entire room <laughs> with pumpkins. And he did, we had hidden cameras and he oh walked in. Yeah, it was called The Great Pumpkin Caper. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. But we did all that stuff and they really worked. And we yeah. started really getting kids out to shows. And the sh- and I'm really proud of the music we did. I'm really proud of our live shows. And it was like, like you know, I try not to be too, uh, you know, I, I like to be self-deprecating. But the truth is, like, <laughs> if there was anyone who, like, was like, this is DIY, punk rock, soul, heart, it was us on stage. We were ourselves. And, yeah. and and that was a big part of what made me fall in love with creating. So through the years, those videos really grew and they became, we honestly started making like sitcoms. Like it would be like, we'd have an A storyline and a B storyline. Our band would be a fictionalized version of ourselves. We'd bring in <laughs> our friends and they would be characters in the video. That's and so cool. we would be like a 25 minute thing. And we would do like, all right, we're playing a show at Club Hell that we want to sell out right club hell holds maybe 350 people were the headliners i'm like let's do this video we'll make the whole video about the fact that john from club hell who is a real person yeah won't let us play there unless oh. we get a letter from a fire marshal because last time we did it we you know we did something crazy on stage or whatever and we'd make up a story but the entire video would revolve around that show in some way that's awesome it was almost like the monkeys but yep. kind of on a more ground level and with the comedy of like it's always sunny in philadelphia yep but but the thing is, over the years, we did so much offensive stuff, like so much offensive stuff. And yeah. back then, it's 2003, 2005, 2006, 2007, that the bar for what that is yeah. is, is way lower and you yep. can do a lot of stuff. Plus, we're, we're filming stunts and pranks and like, you know, there's genitals involved. Who yep. knows what's going on? And uh now it's like it's like so that eventually i was like oh my god like i took all the videos down and i'm yeah. like i'm like i want to put them back up someday with little scrubbed clean and stuff like that yeah but in terms of you talking about being out there and putting your voice out there back then for me when i was 19 20 yeah. whatever it was just about whatever i want to say yeah. e- even writing songs like the first lyrics i came up with were the lyrics that ended up on the album now if i'm writing a song it goes through a million passes mm-hmm. but back then it was just like yeah get it out get it out get it out now you really do have to like kind of be careful. And also there's just so much more competition now in terms of like, let's say your podcast and let's say you're writing, let's say you're making music that you really do want whatever you bring to the table to be super polished. Yeah. Um, But I, I I mean, I, it's funny too. How old are you? 
I just turned 30. 30 and you're? 33. So that's the thing I think too. I think when you're 19 and making any sort of creative thing, it's really your raw soul and you're scratching it out on a piece of paper with a yeah, pen. Totally. And now if you're 30, you're like, well, let's be thoughtful. Does, you know, do we sound, like for podcasting, do we sound good? Is this mm-hmm. well packaged? But yeah, so my journey from I'm putting my voice out into the world yeah. has really evolved into what you're talking about now. When back then I was like, I just want to scream whatever I think, <laughs> you know? Well, and back Jizz. then, it's so, it, oh my and God. That, now, that's, that, now that's where I make no, my most money. Does, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny Kept because- Kept a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carried yeah. them over. Hey, they, so the things that work, keep doing them. Yeah, yeah. But it's like back then, you know, when we were, you were 19, I don't know how old we were, but- yeah. Things weren't as like you had to search for things to exactly, find things. Exactly. Now it's like it's everything is everywhere at all times. Yeah. No rest, no sleep. Yes. It's so everything is just like, oh, like if you, you can't get a break. Did you watch the Bo Burnham special on Netflix you know, last year? Okay, I wanted to watch I, it. I watched about half of it. I wanted to watch it, but I felt like it was gonna make me a sad boy. I think well, I think it's I think it's it's funny Spelled because B-O-I. overall as a piece, I think it is pretty depressing. Yeah. The individual songs are awesome. Are really good. Yeah. But his his uh, Welcome to the Internet song is uh you know, the whole thing is uh, a little bit of everything all of the time. Yeah. yeah. It, which is like I'm like, that's the perfect way and to describe stop. Like, I honestly, how you with that one. So like I know I've seen clips of the different things now where I'm like, okay, some of this was really great. And yeah. overall everybody's talked about the show as just mm-hmm. because of the way it was made and how he wrote it and where he shot it and mm-hmm. the whole deal. Like I love Bo Burnham, like his old yeah. stuff especially. Mm-hmm. I only watched half of it because I've hit a point now, especially in comedy, mm-hmm. where if I start watching it and I all of a sudden feel like this is gonna be all political lean, yeah. I just stop watching. It. Oh, I, I, I just don't give a shit anymore. Did you think it was political? I thought a bit of it. The well, part, parts that I watched, like again, well, I stopped. So maybe I just stopped too damn early. Um, I was. I wonder if we're talking about the same one. We're talking about the one he made in his house. Or is it in front of an audience? Uh, it might have been the one in front of an audience. No, no. This this, this, this one, this one like, was yeah. made. Yeah, it was like trapped inside. Or what the heck did he call it? It was like. Uh, oh, yeah. So this one was. It's called Burnham it, Inside. It's right? called Inside. But this yeah. one is completely. He's the only person in it. Maybe that's there's no problem. audience. It's probably different. There's no political lean in this. Maybe not. Okay. This is about being a creator and the constant demand of content. Okay. And yeah, what no, no. comedy oh, no, is. I did watch that one. The whole thing. He he filmed it himself at his yeah. house. Yes. I did watch that. I love yes. I love it. But yeah, the, the little bit of everything all the time is the thing. Yeah, I feel like you're competing it's really it's strange crazy. it's tough too because i hate that yeah like I, I you know i've so i guess we're kind of continuing the story but like basically we did all these videos and we were you know senior discount was playing these shows and we opened for a ton of people and just to give the co- correct props to monty's fan club they eventually became monty and eventually became monty ri and they got signed to uh an offshoot of island def jam oh cool and they're great the lead singer steve is gone on now he's in 30 seconds to mars with jared leto oh, shoot. Wow. That's incredible. He's incredible. And he's from Cranston. He's around here. Whoa. He was, I mean, and he's a wonderful dude. Just a, uh, they all are wonderful. And even to be honest, one of the guys from Monty's fan club um, is a teacher. We're also mentor. I'm also mentoring a student with his high school as well. Wow. Yeah. I'm just a mentor. And uh, <laughs> just, he's just a really good guy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm just a really good guy. But uh, great band. And they, and they, they got us our first tour van. They, yeah. they booked it. They, they got us our first show ever, as well as our first show at the strand, which is a huge venue. So I, we can't give enough uh, thanks to them. But as time went on, we're playing these shows. We're doing these videos. The videos got harder and harder to make because our standards rose. So lighting, sound, and we're doing it ourselves and no one's paying us to do this. So everyone's yeah. taking time off of work and it's really hard. So around 2008, 
um, Brad, Brad Rohr, who is one of my best friends, who is my best friend probably. Um, of Brad and Chuck? Of Chuck and Brad. Of Chuck and Brad. And Brad and Chuck, Chuck and Brad. No, He's like, right. no, my name's first. Yeah, my I don't, name I, is first. Yeah, I'm, we're going to sue you for that, <laughs> Sorry. but that's okay. Um, but uh, he's a great guy, and he was he became one of the writers of the videos. It became myself, Alan Souza, and Brad Rohr writing the videos, and Brad came in as this character that was kind of... <laughs> like the opposite side so cedar discount like i said wild shows yep. thrashy crazy punk rock underground clubs um you know we're making these insane videos that are super offensive super yep. obscene grabbing people's attention screaming in faces jizz 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 and uh brad i saw him perform because he was in an improv group called um sky punch mm -hmm. actually at the time they were the bit players and alan souza who was the bassist of senior discount at the time was in the bit players and and brad was a performer with him and i went to go see him and brad is like quiet and ah, very like very like the opposite yeah yeah not not he was conservative not politically but yeah. just conservative in the it way he spoke yeah. reserved yeah very much so yeah. soft-spoken and i was like let's bring you in as a character who is starting the rhode island league of decency oh my god <laughs> and you guys hate senior discount yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're trying to obliterate us and oh so that god. became part of the videos and we were using that and then we were like, you know what? It'd be a lot easier if we started doing a podcast. Mm. And uh, because, the, like I said, the videos were harder and harder to produce. And, I said, and so we said, let's do a podcast. And we can do, we can cover, we love talking about movies. We love talking about television and music and comedy and whatever. Let's do that weekly. We can plug senior discount shows up front. We can plug your improv shows up front. And we can have on musicians, get you know, uh, comedians, uh, yep. filmmakers from the area. So we started that in January of two or January, February, 2009. Uh, we started our podcast and um, we basically it started rolling forward. I'm trying to think of exactly why I started saying this because it was very specific to what we were talking about. What <laughs> was it? Right. <laughs> but it was very, it was uh, we, when we started doing that and man, what was it? We were That's talking right. about, oh, this is working out. Is this a kind of a chronological timeline? of yes. where you are today. Yes. So yeah. Keep on going, <laughs> baby. Going, yeah, Sorry. Keep on going. I brought this up for a specific, to make a specific point, but we started doing the podcast then. And, uh, and it was really fun. And we kind of said, this is a really cool medium because you can kind of do whatever you want. You can yeah. kind of say, well, this week we're going to do this. Sometimes we write scripts and bring them in and we come up with different ideas and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so the band uh, continued. Uh, the videos kind of slowed down just because, like I said, they were getting so hard to produce. Yeah. They were taking more time. And we started focusing more and more on the podcast. And, you know, after for a little bit, it was kind of bumpy. We were doing it here and there. But then I, th I think we've been weekly since 2000, December 2013. Wow. So for the past, uh, you know, eight That's years, let's crazy. say. Yeah. And so we started doing that and, and we kind of had... It was cool because it was more of a link to the creative scene around us mm -hmm. where instead of just being like, oh, we're a band, you're a band, let's be friends. We were able to say like, why don't you come on our podcast because you're doing your album release show in two weeks mm -hmm. and you can promote it here and we'll get to know each other and stuff like that. Um, so my weird creative journey kind of moved forward into that where I'm like, well, we like comedy. We like discussing things and commenting on movies and whatever. Now let's put it into this new different medium and continue kind of finding ways to reach people and finding ways to uh, bring all this together in like a new, in a new medium. Not to, um, this might be, no, it's not off topic. Do you still get to play music? Is your band still here? So what happened was, you know, we, we continued on um, and 
we went through some lineup changes. It's tough. People, you know, at one point, our guitarist, Matt Kelly, was like, hey, I have to leave the band. And I'm like, what? What's going on here? Why, why is this happening? And I was like, does he hate me? And then later he's like, my wife is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and he's, and he's like, I couldn't say it at the time because you have these things you can't say it. Yeah. And so, you know, like, and, and but then he came back to the band, which mm. is great. But we've had different uh, people come, move, move, go in and out of the band. And it's funny. I love that he kind of just cryptically said he had to leave the band and just let you assume the worst. He's <laughs> like, I have to leave the band and then just walked out of the room. Uh, dude, I'm not kidding. He showed up to practice one day and he's like, yeah, I got to leave the band. And I'm like, oh, like, oh, how come? And he's like, yeah, I just can't do it. I don't have enough time. And I'm like, really? And it was weird. Yeah. And then, you know, a few months later, he's like, all right. He's like, Ashley's pregnant. We didn't know what was going to happen. just stew in it for a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tortured you just a little bit. Right. But it's funny because everyone. Every... Was he the person you played the pumpkin trick on? No, Maybe this no, was no, revenge. no, no, no. Oh, my God. That'd be funny. <laughs> no. So what happened was, um, it's funny. We've had people come into the band. Sorry, I got to clear my throat. <clears> throat> Sorry about that. Um, okay. And uh, it's always been someone who was already involved in the band in a big way for a long time. So it's been really cool because. It's never like, here's a new guy, uh, Jerry, you know, like Random. it's never been like that. It's been like, now this person's in the band that's been part of it for a long time. So we had, we did continue to play. And what happened was we played bigger and bigger shows. You know, we've opened for um, like every, on honestly, almost every band that I look up to, we've opened for. I mean, I'd love to open for Blink-182 or Green Day. Those are, those are two of the big bands that got me into punk rock that are really hard to open for because they always tour with packages, yep. going to like arenas and stuff. Oh yeah. But we've, we, you know, we've opened for... The Pilfers, The Toasters, Street Light Manifesto, Catch-22, obviously Big D and the Kids Table, Less Than Jake, like tons of bands that, that oh we love. God. Love it. And then I've gotten to do solo shows with like Chuck Reagan, Dave Haas, Chris Rowe from the Ataris. Like we've played with a lot of people we wanted to up and down the East Coast, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, obviously, obviously Connecticut. Um, and uh, And we eventually what happened was, so the podcast continued. The podcast got way more serious, and we've yep. had a lot of people on the podcast that we really look up to as well, including Jeff Tremaine, who directed the Jackass movies. You know, he that's mm -hmm. um, we he's went so to, cool. Oh, he's the best. We went to the Tribeca Film Festival, interviewed him, and it was funny because Brad is like this little mouse man yeah. that he's telling you about. And we went to go interview Jeff Tremaine, and Hulu sent us up with this like private uh, press room for the podcast. So cool. They're like the Chuck and Brad podcast has Woo! to have a good place, and so Jeff came in, and I go, "Hey, Brad," I'm like. If they invite us to like to go see this movie screening, we have to go. And Brad's like, okay, whatever. And it was because uh, Hulu was producing a new documentary called Dumb, the History of Big Brother magazine, yeah. which was the precursor to Jackass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Big Brother was making like tapes with Knoxville and all this stuff, and that became Jackass. So Jeff Tremaine comes in, Patrick O'Dell comes in, who was the director of the new documentary. We interviewed them, and then they leave, and they're like, do you guys want to come to the premiere? <laughs> And I'm like, hell yeah. And Brad's like, ah, I already said yes to those. And so, ah. and so we had to go. Oh and my it's God. like me, Brad, Wee Man, Travis That's Pastrana, so cool. like all these different people, like all sitting together. Oh my God. And it's, it was so funny because we're all. fangirl. <laughs> oh my God. We're sitting there. And uh, I was looking around like, how did I end up here? <laughs> how did this happen? I go, Brad, I'm like, if they invite us to a crazy after party, we have we're to go. Going. And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're leaving. And they're like, do you guys want to come to our after party? Heck and I'm yeah. like, woo. <laughs> and so we go to, and Brad's like, I hate this. <laughs> we, go, we go to this after party and we go up to the door and uh, this other guy comes up and uh, they're like, you know, who are you? And we're like, Chuck and Brad. And they're like, from what? I'm like, Chuck and Brad podcast. 
and they're, and then the other guy, they're like, who are you? And he's like, uh, you know, Matt Smith. I don't know his name. Whatever. They're like, from what? And he's like, Time Magazine. And he's like, let me look at them <gasps> oh list. He's like, Chuck and Brad, you're in. He's like, Time Magazine, get lost. Oh <laughs> and I was like, get out of here, Time Magazine. And I kicked him in the ass. Yeah. Just like Mr. Perella. I kicked That's him right amazing. down the stairs. Bye. <laughs> See you later. That's I incredible. <laughs> but, I love that story. First of all, I love, ja- again, I love something Jackass, so too. odd about me is that I really love Jackass. Jackass is, Jackass yeah. is, is art jackass mm-hmm. is punk rock it's 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 what if you're a person who loves something and you want to put it out there for the world and it's your pure soul that's what art is yeah and there is nothing more like that than jackass totally johnny knoxville getting hit by a bull should not be art but he believes it's art and so, and the world so it is art. and people pay a lot yeah. of money to see that happen it's amazing and and, and so the, the band kept going forward we made a documentary about our band called Ooh. uh vbw attack the senior discount movie that was like a documentary mixed with the Jackass movie where we did a ton of stunts and pranks like oh, that. Fun. And they were, I got arrested in the movie. Oh my God. Oh yeah, I did some bad stuff. Yeah, but uh, But uh, yeah, so we released this movie and it has the anima thing in it as well as a million other stunts. It's so, it's so insane. It's so, what's cool about it is it's like Jackass, but it's like zero money punk yeah. rock band doing it. So interesting. And we went to the showcase in the Providence Place Mall and we sold out a screening of 350 tickets <gasps> to that, of this movie. And we asked Hot Topic if we could do an acoustic show in the Hot Topic in the mall beforehand. We did it. Oh, my Whole God. Hot Topic was filled up with That's kids. Amazing. Spilling all across the way in Province Place Mall. And the security wanted to shut us down, but we just played. We didn't give a shit. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was amazing. But uh, so the band kept playing. And eventually, it's really funny because, you know, the podcast continued. We kept doing interviews with people we looked up to, like Chris from Less Than Jake was on it. Um, like I said, Jeff Tremaine, tons of people that we really liked. And the band kept playing shows all over the place. And in 2018, we got signed by the drummer of Less Than Jake to Paper and Plastic Records, wow. which is like where Anti-Flag has put out albums, yep. Fun put out albums there. And it really felt like to me that we had kind of reached like a point where I felt like, oh, God thank God we got to this point because yeah. I feel accomplished and recognized and like we got to do this. We got to really kind of take this to this level. Um, and by that point in time, I had kind of transitioned more from focusing so much on the band to focusing on comedy and film. And I, you know, I started working with Tell em Steve Dave in 2016. That whole Gramercy show happened in 2016. And we had put out like three Blu-rays by that point in time. That was actually the summer when Comic Book Men was canceled by AMC, yep. which was the guys from Tell Em Steve Dave, and they wanted to transition to Patreon and making weekly projects with with me uh, doing basically half of them, a project every other week. And I realized with the band, you know, as much as I believed in us and as much as I loved writing music and performing with my friends, it's just different people have different priorities and different beliefs in terms of what they can do and different responsibilities yeah so with the band i was working with a lot of people who i love i love these guys christian my cousin um matt kelly from he's the lead singer of our lead uh, guitarist of our band and he was the lead singer of lemlime tennis shoes another band from around here and uh abe correa who uh, he played bass for our band did nothing else just sits in his house he's a hermit <laughs> um but uh, uh i love these guys but uh, I don't think that they really believed that we could have careers yeah. making money from creativity in, mm-hmm. in this way, which is really hard. It's really hard to be a band and have that be your career. You know what I mean? Like some of the biggest bands in the world, when they get off tour, their members have to go work. Work somewhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, But for me, I was transitioning. You know, I, I had always loved filmmaking and comedy as much as music. And so I was really finding a place and finding footing in a career 
with comedy and filmmaking. So I kind of transitioned more to spending more of my time doing that. And I still love playing in the band. We pl- we've played some awesome shows since then, too. We had an awesome show at The Space with Big D and the Kids Table. Mm. But then the pandemic, it really, it made it really hard to practice, you know, um, and it made it really hard to play shows, obviously. And there haven't really been a lot of opportunities for shows that kind of we felt were um, like fit with what we were trying to do now, which is playing bigger shows and stuff like that. Um, but actually, uh, just recently, I was asked to play the Bowling for Soup um, is, is going on an acoustic tour. So and, cool. And I got asked to open for that and do a solo acoustic show at the Met, which is, as, as of we record this, it's going to be tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, so I'm playing a solo acoustic show tomorrow night. And then I'd love to get back in with practicing with the band and have mm. some shows to look forward to. Um, but we definitely all still love playing music. It's just, it was my focus for a long time. Yeah. And then it became kind of more of like a side thing as my career in film and comedy actually became my real career. And I, I, I would assume too with the, the other bandmates, and I don't know this to be true because I don't know them, mm-hmm. but like your, you know, you were doing the band, but then your other jobs were also creative. Mm-hmm. So it probably exactly. gave you the space to believe that exactly any creative could become a career. Yes. And if you're not directly in that, yeah. like if you tell someone like, you know, we have a podcast, you have a podcast. Mm-hmm. When you tell like Aunt Sally that you have a podcast, mm-hmm. they're probably like, is that like a you do it as a hobby and you're I like know, yeah. no you can do this as a career you yeah. can make money you can do whatever so it's, right. if you're not directly involved with something it can be so out of like reach like what are you even talking about oh for sure so if someone like you know if you're in a band and like you're doing all this creative stuff and someone mm-hmm. else is like working at like starbucks i'd be like yeah i work at starbucks yeah right i can't do like i, I can't I can't believe in this because I'm not directly in this. Does For that sure, make sense? yeah, it's it's it was it's been really tough because I always kind of had this thing in me ever since, you know, it's like it's like I graduated high school and I really went to college because my parents were like, "You need to go to college yeah. and get a degree because it's going to set you up for the future," which I think is probably true. Um, and I went to Rhode Island College for film from 2000, I don't even know, to 2004 <laughs> to 2010. Um, and, uh, you know, tough times, but uh, just like Tommy Boy. A lot of people go to college for six years. Yeah, yeah they're called doctors. Yeah, you're called doctors. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love Spade. Dr. So Tuck. underrated. So Spade is the best. It's funny. I was just watching David Spade on uh, Two Bears, One Cave, which is a great podcast. Yeah, and he was and Tom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. And he was like, uh, and he didn't say this on this podcast, but he recently said, he's like, you know, I think one of the reason people are like, oh yeah, David Spade's okay or whatever is because when I was on SNL, it was alongside Chris Rock, Adam yeah. Sandler, Chris Farley, yep. Mike Myers, and Dana Carvey. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah so like, like if what? he was on at any other time, it could have been totally yeah. different. He's like, he's like being sixth in that lineup is still it's, pretty great. He's pretty, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, That's he, pretty good. He's, he's amazing. But, but, uh, yeah, no, it is it is really hard to see that. And I think that when I was going to college, going to it's weird, in a strange way, going to college, I think, delays your adolescence. It, I, I should say not delays, but extends your adolescence yeah. even further. Mm-hmm. If you graduate high school at 18 and then you just get a full-time job, that's a specific path. If you graduate high school at 18 and then you go to college, it's almost like you're still kind of uh, in you're that like period of adult, adolescence. half adolescence. Exactly. So, you know. You're on your own, but you can literally party every night. You can yeah. sleep till whenever you want to. Food's made for you. And like, most of the time, there's not really an expectation to completely support yourself, whether you yeah. have school loans yep. or you have people helping you along. Totally. Yeah, I was always jealous. <clears throat> All of my friends, so I hated school. So when I got out of high school, yeah. uh, first thing I did was just go to work. So I worked yeah. for like two and a half years, give yeah. or take, like right out of high school. And yeah. then 
got to a point where I hated my job so much that I was like, I need to go to college because I can't do sure. this forever. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to New England Tech, but all my friends went to URI. So I would just go up there and, you know, kind of live the college life vicariously through them. Exactly. But like my college and their college were very different things. Like oh, I oh, was working full time and going to college and oh, they were sure. just, you know, they had like jobs, side jobs and stuff to help support their, you know, eating and right. things like that. But they were just going to school, like a traditional, you know, exactly college experience. Which yeah, I think I think when I went to college, like I went to Rhode Island College, and, and I didn't live there. I lived at home with my parents, yeah. mm. and I really only went there for classes. Mm -hmm. And then I, my college experience was the band. It yeah. was yep. me and the band saying, "Well, we got to go to Connecticut. We got to go to New York. We got to do this. We got to record. We got to go to the studio. We got to practice on these nights." And it uh, that delayed adolescence allowed me to continue to focus on creative projects i think longer than maybe people would do if they didn't have college or yeah. didn't have schooling and it really was a thing where for a long time from maybe age i don't know 19 to 26 or 27 or 28 uh where i was like i don't know how this is going to become a career or how my creative endeavors are going to become a career but this really has to be my life yep and i think a lot of people around me that were involved in that stuff they were more like at first they might have been like that and then they slowly faded into like yeah. no 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 we can't do creative stuff it's going to become more of a hobby and i became more impassioned yep. with i want this to be the way that i live and i want my creative spirit to be kind of the thing that drives me every day and the mm. thing that i get up to get up to do every day and even though it's like you know like i said it's like at the time it was a combination of filmmaking and music and now it's filmmaking and comedy and podcasting which is a lot of, in a lot of ways very similar a lot of this stuff is very similar like when i make documentary projects i just made one and it was um mark norman does netflix and when mark norman did his netflix special which was this summer i i was with him from his apartment cool. to the special through the special back to his apartment it was like yeah. you know we filmed it all in one day and i directed a, a netflix special a, a special about a documentary about the Netflix special. So the Netflix special came out on like December 29th and then we dropped it on our Patreon like the next week. Mm -hmm. It's patreon.com slash Tuesdays has this and it's like a half an hour fully produced documentary that I directed and, and shot myself and edited and all the rhythms of this documentary and the way that you make a story and the way that you make things happen, it's so similar to writing a song. Mm -hmm. It's so similar to telling a story in any way that... um all of that stuff, I think, really prepared me just to continue creative, creative work and creative a creative life, um, and my belief never waned yeah. that I could make a creative life my life. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting how it all fed into each other because, like, you know, if you asked me in two thousand nine, so like, you know, what do you think you're going to be doing in ten years, thirteen years, whatever? Um, there's no way I'd be like, oh, I'm going to be making film projects hundred yeah. percent of the time and blah blah blah. Um, but I do believe that that drive and that passion and that ambition for having a creative life and being able to use my mind that way every day is what allowed me to push through where other people said i'm just gonna kind of get a normal job yeah i'm just gonna kind of make this make quotes. this my hobby instead yeah um which is which is fine everyone has their own path and i'm not you know criticizing or anything but like i do think that that weird almost delusion of mine yeah. it led me to actually yeah. make it a possibility and make it happen yeah and i think i mean delusion might be it or maybe like at the time maybe a little you were a little naive like right. there are so many things oh, sure. that you can be that most of the time equals like it's a good thing like when we were talking to 
uh, Kate from Wright's Dairy Farm, like she was like, yeah, I was 23 and I like basically took over like this huge running company that mm -hmm. has so many moving parts. And I was 23. So I said, yes. Mm -hmm. Like if I were now, maybe I wouldn't have. Right. Because you have so many experiences, you know, many things. And she started at 23. Just yeah. she was still a. a child bas mm -hmm. a, a, basically in the in the span of life yes. when you're 23 you are not making the best decisions right 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 and she like created this whole thing at that age mm -hmm. where if she was asked now who knows like you, you just it's just sometimes i think for the most part it can be to your benefit for sure oh i completely agree mm -hmm. and i also have a rule that i that i try to do live by which is always say yes ah. i like it i think you gotta just do it and like you know now a lot of times in filmmaking, comedy stuff, people have asked me to do stuff and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, you got to yes. figure it out, man. You got to say yes. Yep. Say yes to the opportunity. Be in the room. Do yep. the best you can. Bring your own thing to it. Um, so always say yes in terms of like a career. I mean, maybe it's not always, you shouldn't always say yes, but for me so far, it's been always say yes. <laughs> and I, yeah. I mean, I think faking it till you make it is honestly like a thing that everyone, mm -hmm. no one wants to say they live by that quote, yeah. but I think the pandemic was a, a real yeah. testament that we're all living, like we're all just faking it till we make Nobody it. Nobody knows oh, what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Like, no matter Never. what you're doing, even if you- I think so, so too. Even if you went to school to be a, a doctor, the first day that you do like your, your your what do you call it? When you're actually at- When a you're hospital. operating on my spine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're on your when first you're lifting day, the you nerve cluster. No, but when you're actually at the hospital and you spent however many years in school, when you step into that, that place, it's, you don't know what the hell you're doing. I like think so it's too. your first day on the job. It's the same thing. I kind of uh, have that attitude with pretty much anything where yeah. I just say like, if somebody says like, oh, can you do this? I'm like, I know I can do it. Like, yeah. I don't care if I've never done it in my life. I'll yeah. figure it out. Oh, for sure. And there's very few things that you could say like, could you, could you do this if I gave you the time to do it? And I would say no. Like, yeah, there's right. There's not much that I would say no to on that. It's, it's Especially if it's like within your career, like the thing yeah. that you do, but it's like has like, let's say a bunch of new challenges but you have the baseline for understanding how to do it. I think that totally you can just kind of be like, well, you know what? My shortcomings, quote unquote, are almost going to become part of the style that I'll mm -hmm. that I'll put into this mm -hmm. if it's creative, totally. you know? Um, we were talking beforehand about my house fire and I was like, oh, let's save it for the podcast. Yeah, so I'll yeah, tell you yeah. what happened. Yeah. It's funny because I think the house fire, as I get older. Did you manifest it? It was a real <laughs> signifier of yeah. you got to do, you got to follow your creative path. Because what happened was when I was, uh, uh, man, 27. So we were moving out of my house, me and my ex-girlfriend, um, Alyssa. We were moving out of my parents' house. We both lived there and uh, I had graduated college. She just graduated college and we bought a house together. And that was, we, we, I think I closed in the house in January of 2012. And it was really like a starter home. And it was uh, a house in Warren, which was not up and coming like yeah. it is now. Like Warren, Rhode Island now is like amazing. Yeah. And back then it was like still cool. We had a little downtown and we had the bike path and stuff like that. But now it's like incredible for like restaurants and stuff. We have yeah. the tourister. We have the new, uh, the guild, the brewery and oh, all that it's stuff. amazing. I love it. Um, at the time it was more of a starter house. It was like 120 years old, horsehair plaster, no air conditioning, like very weirdly segmented. And... I was like, all right, whatever, you know, we'll buy this now and we'll just let life move forward and see what happens. <clears throat> so we ended up breaking up. We have a good relationship now. She's fine. She's cool. She's really nice. <laughs> and uh, she's doing well. I'm happy that she's, uh, you know, has a good life. And um, we, a couple of years later, I went to the movies one night 
in 2015 in November. It was it was Friday the 13th, November 13th, oh, 2015. God. And I came back to my street. <clears throat> Actually, this is hilarious. Same cop. Same was, cop. Was on the edge of my street. I live in Main Street in Warren, like right on Main Street. And a lot of times the street was closed off at night because they were working on like power lines or water mm -hmm. and the street was closed off. And I always just tell the cop, I'm like, oh, I live over there. And they're like, okay, go ahead. Well, we're working on whatever. And I, I, I walked up, I went to, I drove up to him. And I'm like, oh, I live down the street. And I figured it was that. He goes, what house do you live in? And I told him the number. And he goes, this is not anymore. You don't. And, I, and, and this is the, again, this is the cop that arrested me for the enema. And he goes, dude, your house is on fire. <gasps> and I went, what? And I didn't know what to say. And I went, how bad is it? And he goes, you lost everything. <laughs> and in my head now, I'm like, why would you say that? Oh, my God. <laughs> have you ever you seen say that to someone? Have you ever seen why the skit you? where it's like uh, the, there's a car accident and there's like the stick figure family on the back? Yeah. And a woman comes up and she runs up and she says, oh, my son, my son, what happened to my son? And the detective just turns and peels the sticker off. <laughs> That's exactly what That's that reminds me of. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is giving me anxiety. So I, I parked and I go look at my, by the way, there is footage of my house on fire from like channel 12. And I have the footage. Oh. I don't know why they were there. I don't know why they were filming. It's like they're filming me like crying, you know, Wait, did I'm you holding the really corpses of two everything? dead cats. No. no, 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 just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my kidding. God. <laughs> no, 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 no. But they do. The footage is real. They really have footage. Did Not you really of me lose crying. everything though? Yeah. Yeah. So here, well, here's what happened. So I go up to the house. I'm not psyched, but there's no one in, there's no people inside and there's no yeah. pets inside. There's no living anything inside. That's a big plus. That's like, that's the main plus. Mm -hmm. Then I'm looking at my house and I'm like, what do I have in there? I had like a huge Blu-ray collection, like 1400 uh. Blu-rays, whatever comic book collection, nine guitars, all my video equipment. But I don't, I didn't care. I didn't give yeah. a shit about that stuff. Cause you know, no matter what guitar you have, unless someone built it for you, it has a model number from fender yeah and you can buy a new guitar mm. but my dad was a volunteer fireman still is and so his fire company was actually helping with the house and they were trying to get my guitars out and i didn't have the heart to tell them that the guitars were ruined the smoke the smoke damage that heavy smoke damages it can be washed out of some things like metal or plastic hard plastic but it can't really be taken out of wood or cloth mm. as i know I'm a, I'm a house fire expert by this point in time I, yeah but uh Wait, i was do you like, know how the fire started uh, I'm so anxious right now because my oh, like, I'll, a I'll huge there, fear there. is like my house lighting on fire. I'll get well. I have I have tips. Well, what he's not telling you is he had a really good insurance policy. Um, <laughs> so here's what happened. I was like, listen, don't worry about my guitars. Don't worry about my film equipment. Get me my hard drives because I've been working on film projects and I've been oh, working yeah. on music. Yeah. If you get me all my hard drives, that's it. That night, I spent. I got all the hard drives. Watched my house crumble to the ground. You know, they're nailing it up. This hobo's living inside. Ray <laughs> Harrington is one of them. <laughs> he has and, his cat uh, family. And um, I go to my parents. I stay up through the night. The hard drives are like there's like like smoke coming out oh of them. Oh my god! And I'm transferring them over to new hard drives. All the files. By the next day, I knew I had a hundred percent of my artistic work saved from my hard drives. Yeah. No people or animals or anything were hurt in the fire. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about this fire, whatever. Yep. Uh, the insurance company came over and they're like, we're going to take care of it. Um, we're going to rebuild your entire house. We're going to cover the cost. And I got to redesign it as like a wow. brand new house with an open floor plan. Wow. On Main Street in Warren. On Main Street in Warren. And they're like, we're going to pay for all your uh, items Cars. or whatever. Everything. Yeah. Anything in the house. And so like, you're going to be covered. 
like it's going to be a year of hell in terms but. of the way you're going to have to live for a while um, and this insurance process. But you're going to you're you're going to be fine. Like your house will be replaced. But yeah, when I found out like no one's hurt and I have all my artistic stuff, I really didn't care. And it really changed my relationship to possessions. And it really changed my relationship to like things in mm. general. Um, and I was like, wow, like, you know, I kind of had this whole life that was in this house. It got destroyed. I have all my artistic stuff. But I'm like, it's not really that big of a deal. Mm. And it really made me feel like, man, like maybe I should kind of dedicate my life to really living the way that I want and embracing yep. things that uh, embracing the way I want to live. And it really pushed me even further into I got to have a creative career. I yep. got to have a career that makes me happy in this way, um, because like, you know, building a life in this way, building this stable life or whatever you know, look what it, it just got destroyed in, yeah, in a yeah, couple of yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, yep. I, like I said, it was hard to move around. We, I think we moved six times in that Jeez. year just because of different things and rescheduling. But I'm back in the house and the house is like an amazing Beautiful, new house perfect. that I love. love it? I love it. And uh, the way the fire started, they were like, we think it was a laptop on the counter. And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, man, like, I'm like, my whole house was clean laptop wasn't touching anything it's on like a counter it's not like marble heated battery or something? Uh, yeah i was like that's weird but then they were like you know what we found the battery we found the laptop and the battery and the power thing or, or the power cord are totally intact it wasn't the laptop oh. and they're like we don't know what it was <gasps> and so they just don't know so the ending to this story is you don't know we don't know but i'm have, gonna like, have nightmares have a lot of old wiring and stuff in that house what is it a lot of old wiring and stuff in that house it, it happened at an outlet that was brand new oh. so here's what i say now in my house, I have smoke detectors that connect to my Wi-Fi and they let you know if they detect any smoke when you're not there. Mm. Whenever there's a, there's smoke in the house, like my roommate, Jordan, he's one just of my... so the cop doesn't have to tell you? You're like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's on fire. Yeah, I, so get I, it. I get it. I get it this time. But it's even when he like cooks steak and there's a like, tiniest, tiniest bit of smoke in the house, my my, my, wow. my my phone will tell me that there's a little smoke in the house. Oh my God. Yeah. So I need to get that. Yeah. So just everybody get... Wi-Fi smoke detectors, you'll know immediately and you'll yeah. be able to figure it out. Give it give your neighbor give your neighbors like that you trust keys to your house. Yep. And get the smoke detectors. And that way, as soon as you have the tiniest bit of smoke, someone can go in. Because if I was there when the fire happened, it would have been nothing. It would have been yep, put out in like a out. minute. Yep, yeah. Yep, it would have yep. been nothing. But I wasn't there. And uh yeah, but that was a that was a big uh push into Embrace your creative life because you don't know what stability really looks What's like. Next, you don't know yeah. what could like collapse anytime. You don't know who could collapse under you at any time and True. not be there one day because that's also happened a lot in my life. Yep. Um, and so you kind of have to go with uh, what you're passionate about and, and build that life that you want from a spiritual place and mm -hmm. from a you know a psychological place. I love that. Yeah, yeah awesome. I think so. I I'm think gonna so. have nightmares for the next like. Mm -hmm million years but but yeah so that, that really i have an me. old house that's like a hundred years old with a ton of horsehair plaster so you're like talking about this and i'm like no oh no, yeah. Oh, yeah please let there be a candle on please horsehair plaster just like makes like i get like this phantom itch when people bring up horse I used to do, yes like, i used to do demo yeah and, like, demoing horsehair is oh, like the yeah. grossest it's bad worst I'm, sure. thing. I'm still cleaning it up we demoed our house and i'm still cleaning it up a year later i think that i think that i left i might have left a candle and i told them i'm like i'm like you know i had a candle that night i am pretty good about blowing out candles maybe it was that and they're like we found the candle and it's fine oh. they were like we'd be able to tell but i'm like i don't know if you would because i had a i had a, like a couple hats that were like cotton like up on like hooks yeah and it was probably like three or four feet from the candle i'm like if an ember went up and touched one of those hats 
Uh, that could have been what have it was. No, yeah, you but, don't even know. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, but I say Wi-Fi smoke detectors. All right. But yeah, that, yeah. it, it was interesting. It comes down to the fact that this entire uh, episode was just an advertisement for Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi smoke, smoke detectors. detectors. <laughs> we are sponsored by. <laughs> sponsored by. But yeah, that was that was November 2015. Yeah. And then that summer, I was in living in Regency Plaza in Providence. Oh, That's where true. my insurance put me up. It was insane. Nice. You got a pool. I had a pool. I had a corner apartment with yeah. with washing machine and dryer in the apartment. Very two bedrooms. Nice. It was the the apartment they paid for was forty five hundred dollars a month. Whoa, for me to stay that's crazy. Because they also had to rent furniture. Yeah, oh, because they didn't wow. have any furniture. I lost all my furniture. Had to be a fully furnished. So they had to give me a fully furnished. So it was crazy. But did you know the guy like handling that account? I, I cannot. The insurance. Guy? You would if I told you all the shenanigans <laughs> that I got away with in terms of this insurance situation. Yeah. First of all, I'd be in court. <laughs> Second of all, uh, dude, it, it was it was crazy. It's like a whole thing, like. One time I was like, like my ex-girlfriend's dad was like, you should submit your food receipts. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, just, just see what they do. And I was like, okay. And I gave him like $3,000 of restaurant receipts. They sent me a check for $3,000. And then I tried to do it again. And they were like, no. And they were like, why are we paying you for food? We're paying for you in a place where you have a kitchen. And I just didn't answer the email. <laughs> and then did. you're fine. And I was, so they, I just never, I didn't submit any more food receipts. But like, it was crazy. That's nice. You know what they told, you know what they told me? Because I had talked to someone that worked in an insurance company at the time. And they're like, if they give you a half a million dollars overall for the yeah. rebuild for everything... It's nothing to them. Yeah. They're nothing. like, it's nothing. So yeah. just submit whatever you can, get as much as you can. And uh, honestly, it's really, here's what's really interesting about that. You know, when you're like 15, you start acquiring items. By the time you're 30 or 32, I don't know when I had the house fire. Maybe I was 31 or something like that. Um, you have so many things you don't need anymore. Yeah. You just have them. Totally. And it, the house fire was almost like God's like, Cleansing. We're going to destroy all this stuff. You have yeah. too much shit. <laughs> here's here's the money for this stuff yeah. back that you paid for it. Do you want to buy it again? And I was like, no, no, thanks. No. And so I really took a lot of the money that they paid me for my items. And I was meticulous about refurnishing my home. Yep. And I wanted to really make it a nice home. And I did have to put in a good amount of money because I put in like a second bathroom and stuff like that. But I really was like, I want to reserve as much of this money as I can to fund my creative journey. Yep. So that if I have to go... Well, I'm going to spend another year only making this much money that's not livable. Yep. And then the next year, I'm going to make 10% more. The next year, 10% more creative. This is going to give me more time to do it. And I looked at it like an investment in my future. And that's how I kind of was able to uh, contextualize that. Mm. And, and really, that's how I thought about that situation. And yeah, it was like, that was November 2015. Then July 2016, which is only eight months later, you know, that's when I started working with Tell Him Steve Dave. And that just rolled forward. By 2018, they needed me on a, on a bi-weekly basis to produce really long-form projects for them. And then by 2021, I'm also working with Mark wow. Norman and Joe List. And I've also met Kevin Smith and started working for him. And, you know, I'm all this time, I'm also working for Motif Magazine, for Providence Monthly and, and The Bay, and doing the podcast more and more and doing bigger things. And all my life like shifted over there after this after the house fire um and i got to pursue this more and more and now i live halfway between new york city half in uh warren rhode island i love that yeah it's really yeah. interesting it's really interesting and i would say this you know what's interesting i moved there in october or like october 30th so really the beginning of november and i go back and forth because i'll be like well, I have to record a podcast and a video in, in New York. Now I come back and I do a couple podcasts yep. and I do podcasts with Brad and I do senior discount shows and I, I write articles about restaurants here. 
recently I've got a little bit of criticism from people where they're like, you know, you moved to New York and you're here a lot still. You're still in Rhode Island a lot. And I'm like, so? you know what? When you get a career that allows you to own a house where you grew up and an apartment in New York City, and it gives you enough freedom to go back and to forth, then you can talk to me about yeah, criticism. Right? How about that? Yeah, How about we're, that? We're, I'm just keep it to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah like, people I was have like, too no. much time on their hands. I was like, that's no, no, so no. no I'm, I'm proud that I get to Heck come home. Yeah, that's incredible. Spend time with my friends. Spend time with my parents. Get paid to write. Get paid to film. I was filming at the Comedy Connection last weekend. Perform in the, 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 the venues I grew up with. Yeah. I'm so proud that I still have that connection here. And I can go to New York City and have legitimate jobs that fund my life and my future. And uh, yeah, I think it's really weird to find anything negative to say about yeah, that. that. Very are strange. Just... Everybody, somebody will find something negative to say regardless. Very odd. Very yeah. odd. I'm really, I'm really proud of of, of, of achieving this. But yeah, you should yeah, be. it's weird. It's weird to to fear the criticism. Totally. Yeah, I, uh, so unfortunately, we have to wrap this up. No, we're, we're kind of running toward the end of our time. I have uh, a hard out this time, yeah. guys. Yeah, so no, no, got it's a hard out. I'm just so um, busy. I, I got to go have an appointment with my stylist right Heck now. Yeah. I really do. Oh, yeah. you're just so bougie. You're gonna go with your stylist to New York and then back to. I basically look like Ray Harrington today. Let's just put it on the table. No, this was awesome. Chuck, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Oh, this is great. This is awesome. Ray's going to kill me, by the way. Ah, That's all right. It's fine. And then, so let everybody know, uh, best way to follow you. So the... podcasts uh, yeah. websites social yeah. media find me at discount chuck on uh, instagram and twitter i post all the time with all the projects i'm doing yeah. so you get all the info there um the chuck and brad podcast on facebook uh senior discount on facebook that's my band and my podcast and then chuck and brad podcast.com is the website for all the podcast stuff we do weekly episodes movies pop culture all comedy, lots of guests. We've cool. had a lot of people on. It's very fun. I love that. Yeah, and thank you guys for having me. This Thanks. is this, this is seriously great. It was a great, great podcast. This is fantastic. Yeah, it was Yay. very fun. We're gonna have to talk more though. We're gonna get coffee. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get you back in Any, here too. Anytime you want me to come back, I'm coming back. Yeah. All right. Sounds like a deal to me. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Bye.